go. Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman and presented by our great friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can use promo code PFF for 100 to 1 odds on any team in the NCAA tournament, but not my Florida Gators. Today, we have one of the great guys in the NFL, my buddy Frank Reich, who's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We discussed the biggest story, I think, of the offseason, Carson Wentz and what the heck happened to the Eagles. You think back to 2017, the Super Bowl run, Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, Carson Wentz. Now two of them are with the Colts, and Doug Peterson doesn't have a job. We also are going to spend a little time with Richard Sherman and figuring out exactly why he doesn't have a contract. Veteran players are just getting killed in free agency uh, this season with that reduced salary cap. So let's go with Frank Reich and Richard Sherman. All right. Well, here we go with the uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast and uh, co-hosted by starring Richard Sherman. Uh, Frank, you'll understand this, that you have to make sure it's players first, right? We've got the great Frank Wright, who is the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who led his team in the playoffs to the greatest comeback in the history of all playoffs, a game that I actually missed switching over, thinking the game was over when it was 38 to three or whatever. And I was watching Kentucky Louisville play basketball, something like that at the time, flipped back over and wanted to cry during the course of that game. Uh, but the great Frank Reich, Richard, how about that? We come up with a superstar. Right, right. I don't know how you guys got him, but you got him, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Frank, how you doing? Chris, doing great. It's great to be with you, Richard, as well. Um, glad to be facing you like this and not be uh, having to coach against you, uh, looking at you across, across the field. So uh, on more friendly terms, we certainly appreciate that. No, I, I appreciate it, man. You, you coach, you, you got my boy Defo over there, and he's a monster. Oh yeah, you, you guys, he you is guys a monster. Playing outstanding. I mean, he was he was perfect. He was a perfect fit for it. You guys already had the rushers, yeah. and now he's just destruction in the middle. It's it's cool to watch. Yeah, he he really is, and and perfect fit. Obviously, as you said, Richard, just a great player, very disruptive, but also a perfect fit for us culturally. You know, just a monster leader, right? I mean. He not only disrupts on the field, he disrupts in the locker room. I mean, he just has his way, you know. I mean, you were with him. So he has he has in his mind his way to do things, which is the right way. And so we love that. And um, he's making a huge impact. Well, should, we, should we explain that Defoe is DeForest Buckner? You know, we got to slow things down a little bit. Richard's got a nickname for everything in the world, and nobody knows what he's talking about when we – when we do it, I, he, he's my uh, superstar broadcaster in training right now, uh, Frank. <laughs> this this is the next it factor right here, and he's also well, the next it factor when it comes to being a general manager. Which yeah. I don't know if somebody doesn't sign him pretty soon, maybe he's going to be one step closer. I have no idea. First of all, can can I just get that off the table, Frank? Can I just ask Richard what's going on and how come we haven't had a, a big explosive announcement and how come the Colts haven't uh, been willing to put you uh, right on the front lines? And <laughs> all the things rude. I need to know right off the bat. It's just rude. Um, I, I don't know. I, apparently, apparently, thirty three is the cutoff age for, for playing corner in the league. So um, I'm just patiently waiting. I'm staying in shape, working out. Um, that's all I can do. I can't force, you know, put a gun to anybody's head and force them to sign. But uh, 
you know, that's all you can do is, is wait, wait through the process and hope the tape speaks eventually. And uh, I don't know, Frank, he'd look real good right next to Xavier Rhodes. I, I'm just, I'm just throwing something out there, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I know going up against this guy for uh, the number of times that I've had to coach against him. I mean, there, there's none better. Um, you know, just his, his skill, his cover skills, his, the ball skills, right. Which are legendary. Everybody, everybody knows about that. But what I appreciate as a former quarterback um, and a guy who still looks at it through that lens is, you know, you just go up against some corners that just understand it, you know, that they understand everything about the game. They understand what offenses are trying to do, why they're trying to do it, who they're trying to do it with. Those are the guys that scare you. Those are the guys that are quarterback. When you look over there, guys like Richard Sherman, you just say that guy gets it. He knows every aspect and uh, of, of what's going on. And obviously a, a, so a great career so far and hopefully uh, more years ahead. I appreciate that. I really do coach. It means a lot to me. Um, I just try to do things the right way. I try to play hard, <clears throat> study hard, trust the instincts, trust the things you've seen on tape and, Stay poised in the moment. Um, Xavier Rhodes, we, we, we just brought him up. Um, he did great last year, you know, after after people, you know, kind of wrote him off. He came in out there and, and really played played really in on par with how he's played most of his career. What what did you see different about him coming in last year than, than the years before? Yeah, he, you're, uh, you're right, Richard. And, you know, he obviously is a, is a little bit in your mold, in my opinion. You know, he's long and really smart. He gets it. He plays like he plays with what we talk about, Chris, with low RPMs, meaning it just comes easy. He sees it easy. He recognizes it easy. And, um, you know, that's the way Xavier plays. And, you know, we, we were able to get him, Richard, because, you know, Jonathan Gannon had been with him in Minnesota. And then Jonathan was our corner coach here. So he was able to kind of recruit him and made him a natural fit because we had a relationship in intact there, you know, his former corners co or former coach here. So it was a natural fit. And Xavier came in and did a really good job for us. I mean, as you know, I mean, Chris, you know, shoot, the, the PFF grade was off the charts. Good for a guy making that transition at this stage in his career was very productive, made big plays but also made the every the every down place that you need a corner to make. Yeah, you did. And and you guys did a great job. Like, you know, obviously championship football is is defense and run game and play well on special teams. And obviously you had Phillip at the helm last year, but you still had an outstanding run game. You had an outstanding defense. And in the middle of that defense, you had Leonard. And how can you tell me more about him and his impact and, and how crazy great he is of a find? Yeah. And, how perfect he is for that scheme and, and for that culture and environment and everything. Yeah. I mean, Darius Leonard is, <clears throat> is, is just, he's just, a, he's a maniac, right? The, the maniac foundation, which he just started. Um, you know, when you get to anybody who gets to know Darius, you say to yourself, like after, if, when you're around him for 24 hours, you say, there's no way this guy can bring this much juice all the time, but he does. It's just, it's just authentically who he is. He just oozes juice i mean he's he's always he's always emotional he's always out front he's always got high energy um and he walks with a lot of confidence man he, he just he knows he's a beast and he's got a lot of confidence in himself and he, but yet he's he's got that you know he knows he's great but it's all about the team so he's been a great leader for us um and he just is a playmaker like none other at that position.
Yeah, and it shows week in and week out. He's He's been one of the best for the last couple of years and only getting better week in and week out. Um, <clears throat> your receiving core, um, you T.Y. And, and he'll, I mean, Michael Pittman was a steal, by the way. I don't know how they just let him slip through to the, to the second round. It was like, bro, this dude was killing people. Yeah. Huge, fast, goes up and gets the ball. But I think he got, you know, victim of that offense and, and it, ineptitude a bit. Um, but how are you feeling about those guys going forward? Obviously, T.Y. has been a free agent and, and dealing with that situation. But Pittman. Yeah, no, we're well. First of all, just if I, I don't mind saying something about Ty, if you don't mind, um, shoot, we want to get Ty back, but you know, it, we, it's been pretty much out there that we'd like to get him back, but it's got to, it's the business side, and it's got to be right for both sides, and you know, we want, we'd love nothing, we'd love more than to see Ty finish a Colt. Um, I, I, he's just a great leader on our team. Everybody knows how what a great player Ty is, but because he's a little bit more quiet. I don't think people have really got the full look at who he is as a leader and a teammate. So I've really, in the three years I've been here, maybe that's the thing that's, that's really impressed me the most, but Michael Pittman, uh, Richard, like you said, that was a steal. You know, we were hanging on there with our pick, just hoping we get a chance to get him. He was a guy we were eyeing up. Um, he's got all the traits. He's got size. He's got ball skills. He's strong. He's, he's fierce with the ball in his hand. Um, love everything about the way he plays and um, smart, everything about him. I mean, he understands it, gets it. So, um, you know, he got hurt this year. i got that compartment syndrome thing in his calf. You know, that's a pretty serious deal. So he was down and took him about four or five, six weeks to get really back healthy. But when he did, he came back on a tear and finished the year up on a tear. So in that playoff game, had a monster game in the playoff game. So we'd like to see that continue to uh, go forward into next year. And obviously, you know, there's going to be a transition at quarterback. And you brought your guy, Carson Wentz, down there with you, um, who had immense success with you. What did you see or what, what, what is your vision for him, you know, going forward? Obviously, he had you saw him have some of his best plays, some of his best football. Is that your expectation going forward that we can get back to that Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz from 2017, you know, who went out there and set the world on fire? We do think we do think we can get there, and uh, you know, number one, just because we think Carson's that good of a player. Um, but number two, and uh, just as equally important, is you know we have a good football team and a good coaching staff, and you know together we can we can get back on track. I think the big thing with Carson, what you know, what's been said since the trade has been announced and been formal, is you know we just it doesn't need to be. You know, I think when he was coming into Philadelphia, it was almost kind of coming in to save the day. Well, you know, we got we got a strong team here. We're on the right track. Yeah, we expect him to come in and make monster plays and do things that a franchise quarterback can do. But uh, that's really going to just start with a consistent play uh, day day in and day out. You don't have to be the hero. Just come in here, get in rhythm, run the offense, and then the, let let the game come to you. I think that's a huge part. Um, and a lot of people say that when, when cultures change, you know, they're so used to being the guy and having the pressure. And if I don't play well, we don't play well. And, you know, all that pressure on them. And when you go to a good environment and a good culture and say, hey, you just have to be one of 11, do your job. If you're the engine, be the engine. If you're a wheel, be a wheel. If you're a carburetor, be a carburetor. And the car will run. It'll be a Ferrari. That's right. You know, and I think that's the hard <clears throat> hard part for people who've been in bad cultures to come into is say, hey, no, you don't have to do three jobs. Just do one. 
Hey, he can do yeah. his. He can do his. He'll hold the A gap. He'll hold the C. You got the edge. Like that's how good defense. That's how good offense. That's how good teams run. So that's positive to hear. Yeah, it really is. And you're exactly right. And I think a little bit, you know, Carson was a little bit a victim of his own success early on. I mean, you know, you're a young guy coming in and that year in 17, you know, we, the, we not only had a good team with the Eagles, but he, he made, he played unbelievable. I mean, you look at the third down and red zone tape and he was just pulling plays out of it, out of the air, looking like a magician. And, um, that that's just not as you just noted Richard that's just not the way it works in the long term you just got to do your job focus on that and uh you know let everybody else do theirs and we'll be right back with Frank and Richard but first I have to tell you about the madness at DraftKings Sportsbook I'm sure your bracket is busted maybe it was Oral Roberts or Loyola and Sister Jean if you use promo code PFF though you can make a comeback Bet $1 on any team, $1 on any team, and win $100. That's all you have to do. And, George, I'm going to ride with Sister Jean. What about you? Chris, I went to a Jesuit university. I went to a school with Loyola in the name, and I didn't pick Sister Jean and the Loyola of Chicago team. I feel stupid. So I'm riding with them the rest of the way. I have to. Um, I'm using that promo code PFF. I'm getting that 101 uh, odds, and I'm going to take that money and redeem myself for the bad bracket that I have. Plus, at DraftKings, UFC 260, they have tons of, of bets there, and you can use that 101 odds on UFC 260 for select fighters. So go make that happen, and then take that money, roll it into draft props. They've got defensive players up there now. It's awesome. So go to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PFF when you sign up. Get those 100 to 1 odds and profit. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers are the ones that are eligible. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank you, George. Now let's get back to Richard and Frank. Yeah, what Richard was saying is so far I've been the possum that was killed in the middle of the road. So it's good to be back and listening to your guys' podcast. This, this is fantastic. But I do want to give some numbers, some perspective on on what you just said. Uh, that in 17, he had an 85 grade for us, which is great. But 92 on third down and not a single turnover-worthy throw the entire season which as our guys will tell you is unsustainable. There is no way that you can do that. The other thing, Frank, that I, I found interesting about that team, A, in my opinion, had the best offensive line in football uh, that year, which certainly is going to help a young quarterback, right? But you also had all those huge receivers at tight end and Alshon and all those guys could get up and play above the rim and make some of those kinds of plays. Yeah, they could, and they did. Um, you know, Zach Ertz had a big year. Alshon came up big in the clutch, you know, when he had to. And, you know, and he was healthy most of the year. But as you said, Chris, it all started, you know, playing behind a really good offensive line who stayed healthy that year. And that's really what Carson, I don't think, has had in particular last year. And even going back further than that, I mean, they've just been really ding at the offensive line and really at the, at the skill positions as well. So, um, you know, th th that's the way we've tried to build that when Chris and I talk about building this team, you know, it's in, you know, we want to start up front, you know, build a strong offensive line, strong defensive line and, and go from there. So 
Um, he, he just needs to come in, get back in rhythm. And I, I think, I think you'll see some good things this year. No, I, I do too. It was interesting. I, w- I was listening to the Pat McAfee podcast with him. I don't know if you heard it or not, but I was like, Carson's back. You know, it was like, he sounded like a kid who was having fun. And of course, McAfee's out of his mind, so you can't help but laugh. And, you know, but he was kind of busting McAfee back a little bit for dogging him on some earlier podcasts. And you could almost feel sort of that 2017 kid coming back during the course of that conversation. Yeah, I feel that too, you know, just getting to talk to him. And, you know, obviously everybody made so much of how bad things got in Philadelphia. And we know this league, that stuff happens every now and then. And it's unfortunate and everybody's to blame, but, you know, it doesn't have to all be put on one person. Um, So sometimes a fresh new start is the right thing for both sides. And I think this was one of those cases. And if you would have told me that Carson was going to fall into our lap, you know, even week 15 of the season, I just, even after he got benched, I still didn't think it was going to happen. So, um, but it did uh, just makes it feel like it was right. He's at a good spot. I think our organization and our fan base here is really excited to have him, And uh, so looking forward to it. Richard, I know you're curious on this one too. Matthew Stafford. So you're coming out. You and I are Frank, you and I know each other, right? All right. We, we go back to the Boomer Esiason golf tournament days. We've known each other for all meanwhile. By the way, Boomer was out of his mind. When you guys sent him from Maryland into our locker room and he started asking veteran players for their number, for their locker, I go, this guy is going to die. He's a second-round draft. (laughs) Somebody is going to kill him or he's going to be a superstar. He ended up being a star, so there you go. But this, this whole thing has been crazy with the quarterback situation this year, right? I mean, it seems like the biggest names in the league, the Russell Wilsons, the Sean Watsons, you know, their names are being bandied about Matt Stafford. Uh, were you guys in on Matt Stafford and how close would you say that he is to a Carson Wentz in your mind, given your background and your history with him? Yeah, no, we, we were in the discussion, you know, we were in the discussion on Stafford and I think very highly of him. Um, Thought very highly of both those guys. Um, you know, the way the timetable was going, didn't know, you know, what Philadelphia was going to do and how that was all going to play out. So, um, you know, I, I, Stafford's incredibly talented. You know, obviously with him being a free agent, I watched all of his tape, um, think that he really hasn't lost anything physically. Um, he, he does everything you need the franchise quarterback to do. I, I think he's going to blow it up out there in L.A. I mean, I really do. I think he's going to do a great job. Obviously, they did what they had to do to go get him. You know, McVay and, and those guys did what they had to do to go get him. So I think that's going to be a great move for the league and certainly a great move for Stafford. Yeah, I, I keep – Richard, I don't know how you felt about that one, but I was looking at that and I was thinking – the Rams may be thinking that Stafford just brain power. And I'm not saying golf is stupid, but just the veteran experience of a guy like Stafford to run their offense and not have to be in his ear at the 15 second clock. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. What was your first takeaway when you saw the Stafford deal out there? I thought he opened, <clears throat> I think, I think he opens their offense up. You know, obviously they just went and got D-Jack, who's going to be crazy out there. You know, I mean, there are levels to that offense. You know, a lot of it 
is the glance and and controlling it with the the option routes, deep option routes, and and play action, et cetera, et cetera. But there are certain things that Matt Matt Stafford just knows and understands. There are certain things he can make happen on the move. Certain things that he makes happen within the flow of a drive that that are uncommon. I remember we played them <clears throat> in. I want to say either 12 or 14 and he destroyed us in a drive where I don't think they actually called one play. You know, he just walked the ball down the field, hurried him up, said, Hey, run all goals, check the running back down, give it to him, run up quick outside zone, right? Get back up to the line. They got to the one. He said, Hey, everybody, hut, ball over the end zone touchdown game. And it was like, <laughs> Whoa, Whoa, what, what just happened? Like we couldn't stop him. We couldn't, we couldn't line up fast enough. We couldn't call a play. And he knew he had us on our, our heels and he didn't need the coach to say anything. He didn't need the coach to come in and say, hey, do this, do this, do this. Let's let's get up. He knew he had us on our heels and he just pushed us, pushed us, pushed us until it was over. And I think in this offense, he's going to have <clears throat> so many opportunities for layup plays, you know, where it's just like, hey, pitch and catch that it's going to be probably, I think he goes for 5,000 this year because it's he I don't think he's ever had an offense where he has has had so many wide open guys and so many schemed up guys that'll be perfect plays for for his arm talent and who he is as a player I I just don't know if you could truly be a GM or not because really you're you're losing your voice you're your own agent for two weeks and you've been talking so much to so many different teams you can't even talk on the podcast anymore what's the matter with you I've never seen you like this yeah, you know, that's that's free agency for you. <laughs> hey, 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 Frank, give me a where do you think Carson is right now? I'm sure you flipped on the tape, you watched him. You know, he had 16 touchdowns, but tied for the league high with 15 interceptions, tried hard. I, I think I heard you guys talking about it when we came back in. Um, is there such a thing as a wounded, mentally wounded guy that, that loses confidence? And can your RPO games and the running game that you have and the offensive line and receivers, can that all just sort of be a switch, the, you know, flip the switch and have it all come back? Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what the perfect analogy is, probably no perfect analogy, but it was like the perfect storm a little bit in Philadelphia with, with what happened, you know, with all the injuries um, and all the different unique dynamics that go into the team. And so, yeah, you know, it's their like, I think the line was a mess last year. Their it, was, it, was line was gone. it was unbelievable. And so I'm watching all the film, but I know this, you know, and especially as a former quarterback and as an offensive coach, I, you know, I think I'm able to look at the tape and say, I get it. Uh, you know, Carson's not playing well and some of the, and some of it's him, but it's not all him. And so let's take 2020 as the outlier and let's look at all the other years because 18 and 19, I think we're pretty good. There was a lot of good football in 18 and 19. You know, we all know about 17, but at the end of 19, he played great football to help that team push that team into the playoffs. But, you know, I think to your point, Chris, you know, about being wounded, losing confidence, it's like getting off a ship that just was in a storm, like it's in a perfect storm and you get off and it takes a second to get your legs back. And, to, you know, you look like you've just been beat up and um, you just want to get on solid ground and, and kind of regroup and refocus. And then you're ready for the next. And then, you know, you know, you know how guys like, 
Richard Sherman, you know, you're wired to go on these journeys. You know, you can't wait to get on the next one. So that's where I think Carson is at. Did he get beat up mentally, physically, the whole thing by the end of the year? No doubt. I mean, of course. But the guy, the guy's a competitor. I mean, I, I know this as well as anybody. I mean, he's ready to go on the next trip. Um, and, and we're excited to have him. We're excited to have him on, on our boat just to carry that all the way through. <laughs> you, uh, you, you guys are similar guys. And it, it's sort of interesting. I, I heard you talking a little about uh, Andrew Luck as well, which I, I would I would love to hear the story someday of how many different ways you tried to beg him to come back before you got into this free agency market. But I, I won't do that to you here publicly. But, you know, it, 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 I just look at that situation and the fact that you're gone, Carson's gone, and Doug Peterson got fired from the Philadelphia Eagles. This is just barely removed from the team that won the Super Bowl. They built the statue. It's almost inconceivable. Like you could see, okay, you go on to be a head coach. That's a normal step. Uh, Doug is, you know, fired, but the quarterback stays. The quarter, But the fact that all of that happened to that football team in such a short period of time, could you have even possibly imagined what's gone on there? No. And I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought there's no way. I thought there's no way that if you would have said, what's where is there a scenario where Doug and Carson, that neither one of them are in that locker room. I would have said, no, there's no scenario that that's possible, but you know, things happen. And, and I'm not, you know, I, obviously, you know how I feel about Carson as a quarterback. I feel the same about Doug as a, as a head coach. And, uh, and I feel the same about that organization, about the Eagles organization. I got nothing but love for the Eagles organization. I mean, I had two of the best years of my life at that organization, you know, with, with everything that happened there in those years. So um, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I just don't know how to explain it, but it happened and stuff does happen, as they say. I think, I think it goes back to what you said about Carson's performance in 2017 victim of, of their own success. And it's like, once you set the expectation here, anything under here is like, is, is gonna put pressure on everybody, you know? And then unfortunate injury and unfortunate injury and unfortunate injury and the expectation never drops. Yeah. And so the fans, you know, the pressure from the fans, the expectation from the fans, like we just gave you a Super Bowl. It's not that easy to do. You don't have that many right. in your history. But, but then in four years, you're like, you suck, you suck, you suck. Get him out of here, get him out of here. And it's like, you guys forgot the years prior to when we got, before we got here, what this team was. And I think that's where it's going to be rough for them, you know, is, is they're going to go back to that. And then they're going to appreciate what these years were. Even the lean years, you're going to appreciate, hey, they were finding ways to get in the playoffs. They were finding ways to have that's success. Right. And you didn't appreciate it. I called the game their last one, Doug's last game there. Um and you'll remember it, um, I think, because it was, did they tank? Did they not? Right. You know, and they ended up bringing in um, the backup quarterback. Jalen was the quarterback doing well, close game. Uh, obviously, the Giants' possibility of getting in the playoffs, uh, rode in the balance, switch quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. And you could kind of see on that bench, like some of those veteran players going up to him, up to Doug and going, uh, you know, hey, what, you know, what's going on here? The last game of the season, all of a sudden he's fired at the tail end of it. And I'm up in the booth going, I, I couldn't have done it, right? I, I couldn't have pulled the plug 
on Jalen Hurts at that moment, even though I know they wanted to take a look at the backup quarterback, they thought they deserved it. Basically they're in preseason mode anyway, but I don't know if that had to be discussed before that game going in, that couldn't have led to any of the firings or any of the issues afterwards. I mean, there was just such a mess. When you saw that, what were you thinking? What would you have said if you were sitting in the booth right next to me? Um, well, great question. That's why uh, that's why I'm not sitting in the booth with you. I, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, after this, I did see it, Chris, and um, I, like you, I assumed that the, I just assumed stuff had been discussed. I assumed that this scenario had been discussed, and then after and then after the game and the way everything came down and the fallout from it. Um, to be honest, at that point, I wasn't paying attention anymore because I really didn't, it didn't affect it didn't affect me. Um, so, I, you know, I was more we were already kind of shifting gears um, and I didn't have to. I was thankful I didn't have to answer those questions. Obviously, I was paying attention in regard as, you know, in my re- respect for Doug Peterson and, and my respect for the Eagles organization and what they were having to go through, you know, for that whole for what happened, but um, yeah, probably don't have a big opinion on it. They had, uh, well, the one thing that did happen, and, you know, we could probably talk for 18 hours about tanking, and, you know, a lot of it comes down to who's going to get the quarterback the following year, because now they are the sixth pick. They, instead of the 10th pick, I think it was, they're likely in position to get one of these quarterbacks if they want to. And I've always struggled a little bit with the idea that you could benefit by losing in the National Football League. I hate that concept, whether it's a lottery in the NBA or whatever. Your thoughts on the annual discussion now about tanking in the NFL because the quarterbacks are such an important position. Yeah, that's I I, I do have an opinion on that because I I agree 100 percent with you. I can honestly say I, I've never, you know, and I was here on the team. I was here on the team, the Colts team that, you know, where we went, you know, won and whatever and ended up being able to draft Andrew Luck. And when Peyton moved on, and I can tell you from that experience, you know, maybe there was no tanking going on there. We were fighting and scratching for every yard, for every first down, for everything we could get. Um, you know, I've never been, I maybe, Maybe it happens. I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, the locker room, as you just alluded to, Chris, you can't, you do everything. That locker room is everything. And you can't do that to your guys. You can't do that to your guys. You, these guys work too hard. You got to go, you play to win. That's, that's the only way. That's one of the great things about our league. I think that's the way our players are wired. I think that's the way our coaches are wired. So I don't know where that goes in the future. I know that was a lot of discussion around it from this scenario, but it's hard for me to even swallow that or imagine that that could happen. I don't know how Richard feels about it, but that's just the way I feel. Yeah. I think, I think it's too much of a, a man's man sport. You know, I don't think guys, guys sacrifice too much physically, mentally, emotionally, especially this year to say, Hey, we're going to go out there and lose. You know, you put too much into it. You know, you put too much of your body, like you're hurting. You're like, I'm putting physically putting myself at risk to lose. Like to say, hey, no, nah, you guys got it. You guys got it today. Like, there's no way. There's no way guys are going out there like that. And so I can't imagine that being 
a strategy that that somebody can employ. You can't you not not with those guys because, like Coach said, I mean, you you lose the locker room in a second. You know, Frank. The other thing that's really interesting for me this year is we're seeing some out of character moves, right? Let's start with the New England Patriots. The Patriots never spent a nickel <laughs> in free agency, you know, and, and all of a sudden, and I've got a million theories on this, but they're spending like crazy now. You know, they had one of those years, Tom Brady left, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in Tampa. You know, it has to, you know, sting in New England. They go out and they sign a, a lot of uh, free agents. Um, in a short cap year, $182 million, we're seeing veterans. We're, I'm looking at one right now, and Richard Sherman, who in any ordinary year is probably out there in a bidding war for his services. But because the cap is so short this year, everybody's looking for younger, everybody's looking for discounts, you know, the whole thing. Your take on free agency, and maybe in particular what you've seen out of the Patriots so far. I think it's I think it's fascinating to see what the Patriots have done, and you know a credit to Coach Belichick, and um, you know I mean obviously we'll see as the season plays out, um, you know if it all benefits them, but uh, you know I, I like it when you can't put a coach or a player in a box. You know what I mean? You got to be willing. You know part of Coach Belichick's success is, you know he's adapted. Well, he had Tom Brady for twenty years, and maybe he didn't, but he still was adapting within having Tom Brady as his quarterback. He he built a team. He knew he had that quarterback for 20 years and, and he adapted and built the right kind of team. And, um, you know, now Brady's gone. And so he's he's taken the next step. So I'm sure he put his team in uh, in position to be able to be aggressive in the market and make the moves that they did. Um, you know, they're measured. You know, it's you know, with him, it's nothing reckless. Um, you got to believe that. So time will tell if it you know, proves into the, win, uh, the wins that they want. But um, I certainly respect um, his adaptability. Yeah, Richard will know as much as more than I do about this. But you see them go out and sign those two tight ends. And forever, they were one of the great two tight end teams, right? Basically, you on defense chose what they did. You know, you go out there with a small lineup, they're going to move those tight ends in and run the football on you. You come in with a big lineup, they're going to flex those two tight ends out and they're going to play spread against you and, and throw the ball around. Uh, Richard, what were you thinking when you saw the move with the two tight ends? Well, I'm sure I'm sure someone was happy to see one of those tight ends get out of his division, which was, <laughs> which was <laughs> awesome. But I, I think I thought back to when we played him in 2012 and they had Hernandez and Grant. And you had to, they ran goal line. They were in goal line and goal line. We had to run our corners off. So we ran all safeties on and we knew what they were going to do. We knew they were going to just get us in goal line, spread them out and fade ball. But we couldn't, we couldn't, couldn't leave your corners in because we couldn't fit the gaps. And as soon as they did it, as soon as, as soon as we ran the corners off, split Hernandez out, fade ball, corner pocket, touchdown, easy money. He opened the ball and did his little celebration. And that was how they dictated personnel all the time. And, from that day forward, we literally, I mean, all the way till the Super Bowl in 14, we had to practice for that. We had to practice for them splitting out Gronk wide. And honestly, that's how Cam Chancellor got hurt towards MCL the Saturday before the Super Bowl is because they tried to all of a sudden make stuff up the day before the Super Bowl and sprint a buzzer out under the slant 
you know, when Cam is one-on-one -on, -one on a fade ball and the buzzer ran through Cam's knee and, you know, long story short, that that's, you know, underground story. But um, yeah, it, it, it's going to make a huge difference in, in his ability to play running back or tight end or move around the field and take fly sweeps, et cetera, et cetera, makes them really difficult to defend. And Frank, I've got to ask, what do you think happens now? I mean, we, we've seen in your team and Chris uh, Ballard obviously is a great one at this. It's slow playing free agency. You wait around, the prices are going to come down in particular at certain positions. You know, we didn't see all the fast movement at wide receiver or corner this year that we thought some of the pass rushers went off the board a, a little bit, a little bit sooner, but how different is this going to be now moving forward for this free agency class? Cause there's some players left out there that haven't been signed. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's a culture shock for, for all of us, right? I mean, for all of us, the, the cap number being as low as it is, um, you know, where you're used to a steady increase, almost like the stock market just bam, you know, and it, it, you're feeling the reverberations of that. So, um, yeah, we got having, I feel extremely confident as an organization, having Chris at the helm, you know, managing all that. And, you know, we, we had a lot of conversations going in, just talking about exactly what you just said, Chris, that we just got to be patient. We're going to, we're going to take some calculated shots when they present themselves. But, um, you know, other than that, we're going to be patient and then try to get the right players to fit. Cause like Richie was just saying, you know, with the personnel matchups, I mean, this, this is a player's game and it really, you know, you got these great systems and, you know, we, we try to scheme and we do our part. We always tell our coaches here, Hey, coaching is like 10% of it, 20% of it, but the players are what, what really make this league go. So in order to do that, you got to create the right matchups. So that's about finding the right guys who create the difficult matchups, offensively speaking, you know, for, for defenses, you know, how are we going to put, how can I put a seat of doubt in Richard Sherman's mind is when he lines up, what, what can we do to get that defense to say, Oh, hold on a second, or to put them in an uncomfortable position. And, um, and it all comes down to using the ability of the players. So that's what free agency is really about. It's finding those pieces that complement what you're already doing because you're playing in your mind, hey, we can put this personnel group into this formation, this shift, to try to put a little seed of doubt in the defense's mind to give us a little bit of a competitive advantage. And your team specifically now, with you signed Sam Tevy, right, the, the, to play tackle for you, uh, coming over from the Charger. He's Chargers. He's he's durable. He's going to be there. You had a lot of injury issues. You lose Costanzo. That's a major loss. He's been one of the top pass blocking tackles in this league uh, for a long time. There are other guys out there, you know, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz. There are guys that you're going, man, how are these guys sitting out there as, as long as they, they possibly are in this scenario? I, I just wonder, A, do you have interest in some of those other guys? Are you finished now at the tackle position? Uh, or are you still now beginning to open up that uh, the wallet a little bit? Well, no, I think the easy answer is we're never finished. You know, we're never finished making the team better. We're never finished making the team better, but it has to make sense. And as you know, Chris, there's a lot of moving parts. So you can't just plug one piece in and not think that it's not going to affect the domino effect of everything else. So, um, you know, I think we do a good job. Obviously, Chris does a great job of really understanding the financial piece. And then he and I, 
working together to understand the dynamics in our locker room, on the field, the personnel things that we talk about, what's the right fit, what's the right timing. So we're always in play. We're always keeping our options open and always looking ways to make the roster better. I'm really curious about um, the T.Y. Hilton situation, and I know that you're, you're bringing in Sammy Watkins tomorrow, or at least that's what's been reported. That's a, that's a really interesting dynamic there, those two guys. You know, T.Y. has been so great for so long. Um, Sammy gives you a little bit more of that bigger, more physical kind of guy, right, that you know Carson's had success with in the past. So what do you think in there with Sammy? Yeah, I mean, we think Sammy's a great player and I have a lot of respect for Sammy. And like we just said, we got to keep all options open. Obviously, listen, I'm not going to make any any bones about it. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is, he's our guy. I mean, we, we love T.Y. And, you know, he's not as big or physical maybe as Sammy, but T.Y. is as instinctive as a receiver as there is. And then he's a great leader in our locker room. He's respected. Um, and there's still a lot of juice left in the tank for him to, you know, make the plays that we need him to make, you know, is he going to be the same player he was when he was in his prime? No, but he doesn't have to be, you know, he can still come in and, you know, Pittman, you know, like Richard was alluding to earlier, you know, Pittman's on, he's, he's on, he's on to come now. I mean, that guy's on to come. He's going to develop into a a big time receiver. Uh, You know, if it works out that we get T.Y. back, um, then, you know, T.Y. is still going to be a big factor in what we do, but it doesn't always happen. So, you know, Sammy Watkins is is a piece of the puzzle that we have to look at. I know Sammy's got other options as well, but he's a, he's got the speed, he's got size. You know, he's a playmaker. Um, so it would be foolish of us not to bring Sammy in. You know, to keep keep everything in place uh, as as you were as as we look at how to continue to make our team better. Well, as Richard cons- considers com- coming to the Colts, he's considering you now. I know you've got a big multi-million dollar offer out there he's considering it right now right. but he's only interested in the pass rushers if in fact he's he's going to come <laughs> and so i need to know a little bit more about you know Danico autry now with the titans justin houston eight sacks a year ago i don't think he's signed anywhere or done anything as of yet you, isaac rochelle comes over uh, from the chargers uh, but you were ranked 25th in pass rush anyway off the, you know, the edge last year. So what are you thinking there? I know there's some great athletes in this draft class as well with those, uh, those edge rushers, but kind of unproven guys. Well, yeah. I mean, and as you said, Chris, I mean, you know, Rich, and Richard certainly knows the value of those kind of players. And, you know, we lost Danico to the Titans and loved Danico and had, had a great year for us. And it was unfortunate that we lost him, but, um, you know, it happens. So, uh, again, keep everything in play. Justin has had two really good, Justin Houston's had two good years for us. Um, so, um, and on top of that, just a, a, a team captain and really a, a strong force in the locker room. So, um, and, and still productive. Uh, again, these are the deals though, that are going to have to make sense and have to be the right timing, the right, all, all those things have to be in play. And then, and, you know, we're always looking in the draft. Everybody's looking in the draft. I mean, you got to keep all your options open there. Um, so I just feel like, you know, our, our mentality is, Chris, that we got to get eight starters. Sure, you want superstar defensive ends. Everybody wants a superstar defensive end. There's just not enough of them to go around. So if you're not going to get one of those superstars, then who's the right guys for your team? And that's what we're in the process of working through.
Well, you better get a great corner then. <laughs> well, I agree. <laughs> how important is it the the experience those guys got in that playoff game? <clears throat> That's what people I think don't understand about championship cultures. Is a lot of times it it comes before you ever win a championship. It comes from from a loss yeah. or 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 some terrible something happening that brings the team together that gives guys the experience that says hey we can get over the hump we we have enough to be where we need to be and guys like Michael Pittman having a big time playoff game that's going to make a huge difference and pay dividends long down the line because he showed that hey the bigger the stage the bigger you can show up like it doesn't matter if it's regular season or playoffs like you can go out there and you can take over a game and I think defensively, you guys saw the same thing. Do you think that experience is going to take you guys to the next level and, and really push guys to say, hey, we got enough? Yeah, well, no, you're exactly right. And I know you're speaking from experience there. And, and you've seen, you've personally seen that happen. And, and so have I. And, and I believe that's what's happening here in Indy. I really do. I really believe that's what's happening. And as Richard just said, not only from last year, but in the last couple of years, you know, that every year, I feel like in other ways, it's just another building block to the foundation of what it's going to take to catapult this team to, to get to the next level and win a world championship. I just remember walking off that field last year, going back to DeForest Buckner. And like, we just all knew in our minds, even though we were the underdogs and we were the low seed, like there was nothing less than a world championship that was going to satisfy how, how we felt. That's just, we believed we had the team to win a world championship last year. And when it didn't happen, there was, it was disgust and, but it was the right kind of disgust. And it was already, you could feel, I could feel, I still remember DeForest just so distinctly, like, I can't wait to start this again. I can't wait to start this again. This is going to make us better because Richard's exactly right. Chris, you know, I mean, you've been around this game a long time that you're building, you build and you build. And then, uh, and, and you got to learn through these losses and, and you got to be motivated through these losses. And then you got to put yourself in position and then you got to be ready to seize that moment when it comes because there's no guarantee it comes every year. Because it puts a, it puts a fire in you that nothing can put out but a championship. That's right. You know, and that's, that's what's really cool about it. And it's cool about that pain because you never forget it. It's like every workout, you're like, bang, I remember the pain. Yeah. Like every, every training session, every, it's a great reminder even when you're having great success throughout the season, it's like, that's not championship. Like we got more to do. And I think that's going to, going to really, really press you guys to, to, to get to the next level. I mean, it's, it's cool to watch. It's cool to, to see a culture develop that way. And, and you inject more people into it. You inject more people into it and guys buy in. It's hard for a defensive player to assimilate that fast into a defense. Yeah. Like for defensive players, like even when in our best years, it took a couple of years before we all knew each other well enough. And we, then it was like a well-oiled machine and everybody's like, man, that's one of the greatest of all time. But it's like, it took a while to get there. It took a while, the bumps and bruises and, and the fights and infighting and, and this, and then it's all love and it's hugging. And it's like, man, it's perfect. But it's cool to see a team work through that process. And obviously Defoe coming in in his first year and being able to have that impact is only going to make it better and, and make everything closer. And the second year is going to be even, even crazier. Yeah, just one Russell Wilson interception, and then all that went away. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. I'm hey, done. Frank, Frank, one last question. I want to ask you that. Obviously, I remember when Carson 
really took off. I'm sorry about that, Richard. When he, when he really took off that season was a lot of the RPO stuff, right? Now you've got a guy like Jonathan Taylor sitting there in the backfield. And he has really established himself behind that offensive line is a great run threat. And now you start thinking about what might that RPO game look like. How much has that evolved and how much a factor was, was that with Carson's success in 17? It was a big part of the success in 17 and, and, you know, and we're planning on it continuing to be, you know, part of what we do, as you know, Chris, what that, what the advantage of the RPO game is, is it helps. Uh, this is what, this is what you, you like to share with people so that uh, the, the fans can really understand this is that, the RPO game is the advantage of it is it helps the offensive lineman out. It gives you take you're, you're able to take an offensive lineman who's out leveraged on a block and now reverse the table on the defense and put the offensive line in a good leverage position on their assignment. And now give the guy, give the guy who the offensive line was supposed to block, who was out leveraged, give him to the quarterback let the quarterback take care of him by reading him and reacting to what he does versus the flow of the back. And when you can do that now, when you, and you get a guy like Carson, who's quick minded and he's agile and he can throw from every arm angle and then he can run the ball. If he has to, you know, you can add that element of the RPO and it adds the quarterback run. We're not going to run him a lot, but he's a threat to run. I, I guarantee you if, if Richard's on it, you know, if, if Richard's out here practicing against him in practice, he's going to know that he, you know, this guy can pull the ball at any time and run. I mean, do they, do we want to do that a lot? No, but he's a threat. So that I think can help our running game as great as Phillip rivers was last year. Um, that was never a threat in the running. We, we think this can open our run game up even another notch. Richard, I think you just got an offer. I, I'm, as you're, you know, I, I think that was an offer. He said, if you're out here in practice and you're watching it, I'm taking that as an offer. That's bona fide right there. Let's take that to market now. Right, right, right. You're, you're totally right, coach. When, when a quarterback is running the football, it changes the whole dynamic because you have to watch it. You have to, even, even in the scrambling, you know, you always have to be alert. I, I saw CJ Beathard in the game our team played last year with San Francisco take off for, I think it was like 40, 45 yards because nobody, nobody in the world, nobody in the stadium ever expected him to keep the ball and take off. And no, when, when you add that element, it changed it. It changed the running game the rest of the game because every time he played action, every time he, he acted like he pulled it, one guy, two guys, three guys sometimes would go because it's like, now it's believable. And if that's a believable factor, you got 11 on 11, that's a different game. I always thought even if I had Peyton Manning today as my quarterback or Tom Brady, I would have him run at least once every game just to force that backside guy to stay there. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's the magic of it. That's the magic of it. It's, it's so uh, we offensively like to use the term, just put a seat of doubt. You know, I, if, if you don't put a seat of doubt in the defensive mind, then what happens is they start playing downhill. And when you get a defense that is playing down, you know, who's playing downhill, the offense or the defense, everybody wants to play downhill most of the game. And um, when you can get a quarterback who adds that element, um, it really, it can put you now, you still got to have a good, you still got to make the blocks and you still got to run the ball and all that other stuff, but it's certainly a part of the puzzle.
That's what I always thought Kansas City did with their reverses and their boots. You know what I mean? It's like you couldn't really go chase the first thing you saw because they're going to have one of those four, two guys coming back around the other way on you. And, and that's a factor too. the seed of doubt. I think that's a good way of describing it. And, so and the hard thing about that is you have to find a tail. Like some guys, that's what make some guys special. Cause it's like the middle linebacker, Fred Warner may say, Hey, I know when this guard does this, it doesn't matter what nobody else does. This is the play. And then you see him trigger fast. You're like, how did he kill that play? And I'm still watching this guy motion, this guy motion, this guy play action. He got the sack two seconds ago. It's because there's always a tell in there somewhere. And what makes McVay and Shanahan and great office coordinators so special is they make a lot of plays look similar and very few tails. And it's like, well, this maybe this receiver will give me something. Like, okay, maybe the quarterback can give me something because the formation's not giving me anything. The personnel isn't giving me anything. There's very few adjustments in terms of where we are on the football field. And so you're like, I've got to find it some way. And, and putting that seed of doubt is, is hard because you're like, if it can be two things, then it's really nothing. Then you better play it straight up. That's right. It's <laughs> crazy. Hey, Frank, thank you so much. I've taken way more of your time. You guys were on for an hour. I was on for about 45 minutes, but I think that's fair. You know, Richard needs to earn his money. You know, I think that's exactly the way we should do it. Uh, but uh, congrats. I, I honestly can't wait to watch your team this year. I mean, you guys were so good in that playoff game and so close. And and I I believe what you believe. I think Carson still has it. Um, and I got to tell you, watching him on that Pat McAfee show and seeing that kid that I knew in 2017 come back uh, gives me great hope for what could be this year for you guys. I appreciate it. Good being with you guys. And uh, Richard, nice finally meeting you and, and best of luck. And uh, Chris, always a pleasure. And thanks for having me on. You got it, buddy. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Great having you on. 